This is Eric Corey, and welcome back to A Different Story with Eric Corey. You know, I received such a strong reaction to my last podcast, It's Always About the Money, that I'm compelled to delve a little deeper on that claim. Now, truth be told, most of the different story angles come from viewing everything through the microscope that peers down into the molecular level of any issue. And when you look through that eyepiece, you will always find that it really is always about the money. And right now, the most current, and in my mind, the most destructive of all the issues that masquerade as something altruistic, when in reality is nothing more than a gargantuan money grab, is the ongoing and ever-increasing distribution of borrowed taxpayer money in the name of COVID relief. It's almost impossible to keep track of how much U.S. currency will be printed out of thin air to fund COVID relief efforts, but I'm going to give it a try. Now, on March 27th, 2020, last year, Congress passes and the president signed the cleverly named CARES Act, which is just an acronym for Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security. Now, this legislation allocated $2.2 trillion to help a nation devastated by the coronavirus. In that bill, the masses were given a $1,200 check each to help solve all of their COVID-related problems. Then again, just a few months later, on December 27th of 2020, Congress approved another $900 billion to be printed up for the COVID relief fund, of which you got another check for $600. Now, not incidentally, that bill came with another $1.4 trillion of additional emergency government funding that is not really considered COVID relief, but really is. And finally, and most recently, On March 5th of 2021, Congress passed another $2 trillion COVID relief bill that, among a myriad of other things, will dole out another $1,400 check to the commoners in the name of COVID relief. Now, all told, in one 12-month period, the United States government passed legislation that allows the Treasury to print a total of $6.5 trillion. Now, please understand, that money did not come from taxes that were collected, nor did it come from some magical bank of money the government owns. You see, each and every dollar of that $6.5 trillion will be printed by the Department of Treasury out of thin air. Now, this is borrowed money that someone one day must pay back with interest. And I can promise you the concept of $1 trillion anything is something that none of us can truly wrap our minds around, let alone $6.5 trillion. Now, years ago, I tried to convey a sense of what a trillion dollars looks like. So I took a stack of $100 bills totaling $10,000. I measured the stack's length, its width, its height, and I did the math, extrapolating that amount to $1 trillion. Now, feel free to check my math here, but I figured that you would need a football field filled sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone, with five-foot stacks of $100 bills to get to $1 trillion. Now, I don't know if that's a lot of money, and that's the problem. No one does. And if someone claims to know how borrowing $6.5 trillion in a 12-month period may or may not adversely affect our nation's future, well, they are either delusional or just plain stupid. Since 1986, I have been railing about the amount of money the government spends over and above what they take in. And on average, adjusted for inflation, and in a round number we can all get our minds around, that number is about a trillion dollars per year, or $3 billion of borrowing each and every day for the last 40 years. But now, 
in the last 12 months alone, that number is six times that, or $18 billion per day of borrowing against future tax revenues. Again, nobody knows how borrowing such enormous sums of money will negatively affect this nation's future, but I'm willing to bet it will not be good. Okay, let me take a deep breath here. That rhetorical question will have to wait for later. Hopefully, after I'm dead, because when that reckoning takes place, well, this COVID virus emergency will look smaller than a tick on the butt of a baboon. And as always, I'm looking for the adults in the room to point out what we are actually doing is dooming generations of Americans to a financial catastrophe, the likes of which cannot be calculated, all in the name of COVID relief. But that's not what we're really doing. What we're really doing is paying off current political obligations and doling out political favors in the form of borrowed cash money. Because the overwhelming bulk of that money is not going to help Americans overcome the disastrous effects of a mismanaged pandemic relief plan. Because if it was, and if you have a calculator that can carry enough decimal places, you will find that $6.5 trillion divided by the 330 million Americans is enough money to give each man, woman, and child in this country a check for $20,000 each. Now, if you really wanted to help American people, forget all the ancillary spending and just cut a check to every American for 20 grand and watch the explosion of economic activity that would follow. That's how you should spend the $6.5 trillion to help Americans survive the pandemic instead of the paltry $3,200 per adult that the current plans call for. Now, I know that's kind of sophomoric thinking, and it's not realistic because it wouldn't have any benefit to those who pass the legislation and write the checks. Because the people who write those checks, well, they want something that benefits them directly in return. And the meager $3,200 per adult is given out only to gain support for the epic slopping of the bureaucratic pigs that is the actual purpose of these spending plans. What you will find is that every government agency that exists in this country will get a piece of that COVID relief money, whether they need it or not. If it truly was spending to help Americans survive the negative effects of this pandemic, which it's not, that money would be far less and more direct to those who truly need the help. Not payments to fund projects that have long been in the pipeline, just waiting for the money to proceed, or for programs that would otherwise not receive funding because there was not enough political support for the boondoggle plan. Now, this COVID relief effort is an opportunity to provide funding to politically connected entities and direct payments to government agencies who could not otherwise get enough support or votes to fund programs that have little or no benefit to the American people. This is an opportunity to dump money into a government trough that anyone on the inside gets to belly up to and feed from. And aside from that $32 direct payment to every adult American, an extension of unemployment benefits, these spending plans give money to favored nation states to save them from their own incompetence. States like California, New York, and Illinois, three of the most populous and most poorly managed states in the Union, they will receive money to shore up their floundering budgets from years of overindulgence. And every federal program agency will also get money for, well, whatever they want to spend it on. Now, that list includes the Department of Defense, the Education Department, the Department of Energy, the Department of the Interior, the Justice Department, the Department of Labor, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Federal Communications Commission, the Federal Transportation Commission, Homeland Security, Health and Human Services, Housing and Urban Development, the Treasury Department, the Department of Veterans Affairs, you name them, they get money. Did I miss anybody? 
Probably, but rest assured, the disbursements of these funds in the name of COVID relief did not miss anybody. Now, you don't have to believe me. Just fire up your computer and go to any number of the sites that break down the distribution of the combined COVID relief spending plans. It's all there. You just need to care enough to find out for yourselves and tell me that it's not just a bunch of political pilfering. As I've said on previous podcasts, it's this unfettered access to such information that is our only hope. Because if enough people care enough to take the time to look past the headlines and the feigned compassion that politicians exhibit to show you how much they care, you will find nothing but people who only keep their jobs by paying back their campaign contributors and the bureaucratic insiders with other people's money. What you will not find are any real calculations that show us exactly how this will help America recover from this pandemic. There is no matrix that shows a correlation between the spending and a positive outcome. It's nothing more than throwing money at a problem without any attempt to discern any measurable outcome. Now, I know that's a jaundiced way to look at things, always assuming the worst in people, but that doesn't make me wrong. I know what's really happening to all that money, and I know that the people who will be made accountable for paying all that money back will not be the same people who so easily spend it all. People who are making decisions that will saddle the next three or, or four generations of Americans with an incalculable debt have only their own personal gain as their motive without a scintilla of concern for the certain harm that they are causing. It's the same old story since 1986, only now the problem has been supercharged and grown so exponentially that no one even cares to dissect it, because they can't. It's as if their obesity has grown to such proportions that any hope of losing weight to improve health or restoring any sense of self-respect has been completely abandoned. We're now so fat and too lazy to do anything about it. And when we die a most certain premature death, we will lie to ourselves by saying we did it for the people when we really know exactly what we were doing when we ate all that cake. So now what? What's the solution to this centuries-old problem of governments failing under the weight of their own self-indulgence? This unique American experiment of a representative republic that grants us the freedom to do ourselves in stands at a watershed moment. We are most certainly teetering on the brink of collapse if nothing is done to slow this roll. Now, I ain't the smartest guy in town, but I do have one thing that gives me optimism, and that is historical perspective. I know that what's happening now has happened countless times over countless years to countless civilizations that overextend themselves and lose sight of reality by the blindness of greed. I can look back to see these failures and plan a different course to avoid making the same mistakes. We all have that ability. We just need to care enough to take action before it's too late. These days, unfortunately, the word patriotism has been branded as a racist term by those who we allow to determine such things. They call it a dog whistle for something. I don't know what. I'm too unwoke to hear such sounds. I just know it's a matter of time before the New England football team changes its name because two people were offended by a reference to their mascot. But that's what it's going to take. A coordinated effort by Americans with a common desire to make things right in our own time for the sake of saving our country. Now, I call that patriotism, the notion to rally the occupants of this nation with a call to arms to reform a political system that has breached the boundaries of its own laws. And now for those who were just triggered by my call to arms quote, I use that word in the metaphorical sense, but is the word trigger another trigger? I'm not even sure. You see how hard it is to try and unite people for a common cause in the name of reality? 
Surely I'll be censored for attempting to call out those in power who have enough money and enough followers to crush me in my attempts to call a spade a spade. And I'm sure I'll be called out for that last reference as well. And that's how it works. No matter what you say or how you say it, someone can and will sick the thought police on you and try to disgrace you in the name of something they just made up or some various cause du jour. And why would someone do such a thing? Well, that's the easiest question of all to answer and the basis for all of my different stories. It's always about the money. So what am I suggesting here? Well, to not let the taxpayers of this great nation, the working people who pay for it all, have their money wasted by an insatiable government that will forever claim to be doing what it's doing in their best interest and whose money they spend without a single cent of accountability. Oh, the horror, how despicable of me. Because of this real-time, worldwide interconnection of people, the big boys who run it all have grown bigger than even they could have ever imagined. And they have so seamlessly partnered with government to keep all the power for themselves. And the only reason this flagrantly irresponsible spending can even take place in the bright light of day is because there is, and always will be, an honor among thieves. You see, everyone is getting greased here, and everyone, including the common American who wants their 3200 free dollars, well, they don't want to queer the whole deal. Oh crap, there I go again. Everyone is getting a piece, so just shut up and take your money and be happy with what you're getting. Otherwise, I will have you destroyed in a single tweet that will be shared by millions. That's a real threat to anyone who calls bullshit on all this spending. And it's something that can so easily be achieved by a click of a button. Cross the wrong people, and you will be canceled. Well, go ahead. Cancel me. Because all you'll really be doing is making me an instant sensation and give me publicity the likes of which I could never afford. That's the double-edged sword that will be our savior. Because if the message can hold water and stand up to scrutiny by reasonable people, those reasonable people will far outnumber the haters because haters will always be in the minority. And the real reason they hate is because they stand to lose money and power when honest people with common sense call them out. Now, you know you've won when they start calling you names because the politics of personal destruction or the cancel culture that we have today is the weapon of choice for those who cannot make a cogent argument in support of their cause. This is Eric Corey. Thank you for listening to my podcast.